Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by RPAL Gary at Partscaster Concierge. Gary offers custom designed Partscaster style builds and bodies catering to upscale DIY builders. Concierge services are included with every project to ensure every build is perfectly tailored. Gary can assist with design concepts, electronic configurations, hardware selections, and everything in between. Now, every DIY builder is working at a different knowledge or skill level, so Gary offers these services on an as-needed basis, so he can be as involved in your build as you need him to be with help sourcing parts or even advice during your finishing or assembly phases. Gary offers flat top, contoured or edge routed bodies for bolt on necks, as well as custom pick guards, necks, pre setups and other parts and services through builders and guitar techs within Gary's ever growing network. So if you're on the hunt for a sick custom parts caster project, check out at Partscaster Concierge on social media or partscasterconcierge.com. Adam's apples and sour snapples. Here we are again with the sweetest of sweet guitar podcasts, the Cultured Guitarist. You like that one? Mm. You were really up in the air about. What that is like? One. I like it. Don't encourage him, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a little angel and devil on my shoulder, and the devil does plenty of encouraging. Uh, my name is Alberta. Gave us Al, and <laughs> with me is Cam Loops, born Casper. <laughs> and, That's why uh, you were asking me where I was born? Yeah, totally. Brilliant. And our special <laughs> guest is coming from the prairies, Chris, from Peg City Pickups. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on tonight. Oh, man. Mm. Could not be more stoked. Um, I don't know how long I've we've been following you, but it's been maybe a year. A little while. A little while. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Anytime we can uh, throw a, a spotlight on somebody Canadian doing something cool, that's that's kind of our, our jam. Mm-hmm. Not that we don't support everybody from everywhere. But that's true. It's also our jam. We're, we're, we're slutty for giving people attention. <laughs> it's really anywhere. We've, we've, we've supported people from South My Africa, Denmark. My dad didn't love me Denmark. enough, and so now I kind of glom on every... No. Australia. <laughs> My dad didn't love me enough. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm kidding. I just... Mm. <laughs> uh, all right, well... You know. Oh, boy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Al's talking about it. There's, there's nothing there. quite like watching a big man weep. <laughs> and I'm not going to Oh, I know. It's all snot bubbles and sweating. Yeah. Drool. Oh, yeah, me oh, too. God, it's awful. <laughs> Swanky. Well, okay. How do we do this again? So what have you been up to, music and or guitar, this week, Al? Oh, man. Okay, so I'm in a bit of a spot of trouble. Why? Uh, what you've done now? Uh, well, because to our listeners, it's been another week between episodes. To you and me, it's been, been two, two days. days. Yeah. So my exciting life That's... of guitar has resulted in more or less zero real updates since then. Okay. Although I am debating some swanky ideas. I think they're swanky <laughs> ideas for the parts build series guitars we're, we're mm-hmm. recording the mini series for and working on right now. Uh, and I'm really, you know, I'm really enjoying kicking around the idea of using neodymium magnets to. Hold on, both my metal pick guards 
uh, as well as my truss rod cover. Cavity, oh, yeah. Truss rod access cover. Mm. Um, is that like a permanent installation, that? Um, With the magnet? Yeah, the magnets yeah. would be permanent. Yeah. The magnets would be permanent. Oh, okay. So instead of interesting, because I got so I've got an aluminum and a uh, brass copper. Uh, no, this is brass. Are you sure? Yep, copper is much more orange. Um, hmm. <laughs> sorry, when I was talking to Richard, I think we were talking copper, but maybe that's copper. something different. Yeah, he does know. do copper as well. He does mm. a bunch. So uh, this one's brass though. Um, so I've got aluminum and, and brass. They're exactly the same, just different metals. Uh, pick guards for this build, and uh, there's there's normally when when Richard from Injury Guitars makes a pick guard for someone, he he's usually he's making them for a, a pre-existing template. pre-existing guitar, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So he always includes the screw holes in his design. I'm the first idiot to come along and go make me one for a Rickenbacker style build, and uh, so he did graciously, which is awesome. The pick guards look amazing. Um, but I think I've got the first injured pick guards ever that have no screw holes drilled in them. And now it's too much of a pansy to actually <laughs> drill holes in them. Not about that. <laughs> no, I'm definitely, I've drilled lots of holes in metal things before. Uh, some that I wasn't supposed to, uh, <laughs> but they, they look really good. And I'm just, you know, if, if I could think, you know, if, if this magnet idea will work well, and you had some concerns about the epoxy holding the magnets itself. Yeah, I, well, I think that's only just because neodymium magnets going, like, uh, re- reverse poles are so strong that the the epoxy may not hold the magnet yeah. strong enough to, if, to keep them from pulling one or the other work, magnet off. It would be really nice to have this, like, artwork uninterfered with. Yeah, and then easy holes. access, too, being able to pop the guard on and off yeah. to, you know, Which look inside of it and stuff. Further benefits, I think, because the reason I did humbuckers on this thing was so that the guitar was available for swapping pickups out for testing pickups on the show and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, there would be some convenience that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that, you know, mm. screwing a bunch of Phillips head screws is like, Oh, it's really tough. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's like, there's, uh, we are burdened with a, a, a terrible lack of Phillips head screwdrivers. I- <laughs> In the in the studio. Hey man, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not sure what of my tools I still have. I have to clean stuff out of the old place and mm-hmm. drill well, press. By the way, you should probably press. get out there and grab yeah. that. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I'm kicking around that, and I you know what I'm now that I'm thinking about it because on the bottom of this brass pick guard is plastic. Yeah. As a backing because the brass is really thin, which is a smart move on Richard's part because brass is pretty heavy. And probably um, hella expensive. I, I have no idea what the cost of I'm brass just, is. It's probably expensive. Um, but lots and lots of glues, including super glues and stuff, do not like to stick to plastics. Mm-hmm. You'd have to, like, mm-hmm. score it, rough it up really good. Yeah. Or well, even, even at that, just the, the chemical compound. You warned me of this. <laughs> makeup of a lot of uh, plastics <laughs> don't agree with glues and paints yeah. and stuff. So that actually might be the more challenging aspect of this. Who knows? You know what you could do? There's spitball in here. Yeah. You could always drill some holes in it. Oh, my God. I could use screws. You could use screws to hold it on the guitar. Oh. You could use screws. <laughs> you guys are smart. <laughs> smart puppies. <laughs> are you, that's good for you. you yeah. Also, that's, yeah. That's good. Right on. What, what about you, Chris? Uh, what, you, what have you been up to this week? Oh, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. I work six days a week. Um, so... Lots of working, 10 hours a day. Uh, but uh, as far as 
guitar and all that kind of stuff. I, um, I'm still taking lessons and I'm not the, uh, not the greatest guitar player out there for sure. And that's, Oh, that's a long story in itself. (laughs) Cancel the show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I lost a decade of guitar playing to a work injury uh, back in the early 2000s. And, but, um, uh, I like that true fire guitar online lessons and they just released a blues rock master class by Joe Bonamassa. So, Oh, wow. Oh my God. I've been been hitting that. (laughs) 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 I've been hitting that as much as I can. It's pretty fascinating. Very good. Really, uh, uh, sort of advanced intermediate kind of lessons and that's cool. Lots man. of good stuff. And hey, it's Joe Bonamassa. I mean, what the heck? Yeah, why not? Guy's awesome, right? So, so that's what I've been doing for the most part. Is in uh, any free time that I do have, other than purging my house of items as we're getting ready to uh, to sell. So, oh, uh-huh. yeah. a lot that's of that going process. on. Yeah, you renovations to, and you have to purging your house while treating it like a museum. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah yeah so i use the washroom today honey get the scrubbers out that's it showing tomorrow. non-stop all day yeah. every day yeah and then just do whatever work i can you know and do whatever i can with guitar stuff with the wife and the kids and yeah I mean, you name it it's non-stop i have found i get a lot more guitar playing time in when I horribly neglect my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so true. You know what? And so she true. does not complain. <laughs> Honestly, if she started complaining yeah. about me, it would be nonstop all day, all week, all year. Thing. I, I'm really surprised. She's, I'm a very she's flawed got the patience person. of Job, that woman. <laughs> I do have a, uh, a suggestion for your glue, though, if you're looking for a glue that'll work. Ooh. Try uh, Loctite 495. Oh, write that down. 495. It's. Uh, it's not cheap. It's a little over 20 bucks an ounce, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's not cheap, but you don't need much. And it's printer ink. It's expensive. And I can, I can tell you where I discovered it. I discovered it, uh, for years. I was, uh, I was building hydroelectric power dams for, uh, a company out of Quebec. And, uh, when we, when we build the gates for the intakes that seal off the water when they're closed, it's a rubber seal and these gates come in sections because they're massive. And in between, we have to add small pieces of rubber. Believe it or not, we use this Loctite 495 uh, to a properly cut piece and we put it all together. And within minutes, it's, it's uh, adhered and sealed up. And these things will seal off trillions of tons of water for 50 to 100 years. Oh, wow. Okay, that'll probably hold. So, yeah, I think it probably holds your magnet. And I'm, I'm certain it's going to hold your... Uh, your magnet. <laughs> That's fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What about you, Casper? But those neodymium magnets, keep them away from your pickups. Oh. Absolutely keep those away from your pickups. See? How far that's, away? That's why you don't let us Muppets um, do stuff like this. You know, using them to, uh, to uh, hold your pick guard down is going to be fine, but you just don't want it to be close. Um, you can you can degauss your magnets or change the polarity of them pretty quickly with a neodymium magnet. So if I'm within... That's what's used in my shop to charge my magnets up. Before if I, I'm uh, hmm. like an inch away, is that far enough? or An inch away might start to affect it, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Okay, new plan. You know what? I think I'm just going to do screws. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it depends on it depends on your polarities, right? I mean, if, if, 
if your pickups are sort of in the middle and it's, you know, an inch or so away, but your north south is still facing up and down and your pickup north south is facing up and down, you're going to be fine. Well, I think um, you, you just don't want to put it directly over figuring, I think. First the off, orangutan man over here has no clue what you just said. Second <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> off, um, one of the spots the both these pickguards need holding down is kind of the upper middle in between the two humbuckers. Um, okay. Just because of the way they sit, and uh, especially particularly uh, right below the bridge one, which is, I, I think I'd have to put something there. Um, so I think an inch you know is what? as far away as you could make yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think I'll just okay. go with the screws and uh, not overthink it. Man, it's so glad I'm so well, glad we had Chris on the show. <laughs> well, I don't want to defeat your uh, your project because it sounds like a really good idea. But I would say maybe later on, if you got an opportunity, shoot me some pictures and I'll. Look at it, and oh, and I can advise you if it's if it's oh, gonna potentially cause you an issue. We'll do it after. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot yeah. you some pictures yeah. in the yeah. chat right now, and uh, you can let me know after what you think. But uh, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, yeah, Casper and I talked about it pre-show, and it's and it, you know the conclusion was kind of already drawn that like, oh no, the original plan of screws would not be the worst backup <laughs> plan ever. So. No. I'm not going to be heartbroken if I go that route. It just it, Richard made such beautiful artwork that it would be nice to preserve it. Yeah. yeah just let it for sure. On its own. Yeah. Uh, I'm certain it can be done. Well, Casper Despa. Yeah. What about you? Oh, uh, well, so we talked about last week. I was going to probably sell my uh, Gretsch. Yeah. My Gretsch and all about it. Yeah, I sold it today. You did. Yep. Um, to my dad. Yeah. Uh, but either way, he's oh, like, yeah, okay. I took you my, not pick that up? We were talking I know, about this. Some, I was, my head got flubbergusted with the details. So yeah, so um, my dad's been has taken up guitar again. I guess since I started playing guitar, um, he I, we always had this like this old Yamaha Japanese built Yamaha acoustic in the house, and I think it had the same guitar strings on it for like. 35 years. I think you mentioned that. Like it was a long time. Episodes ago, like you just, yeah. So the forever. thing just was always around. And I, when I first started playing, I asked dad, I was like, Hey, do you mind if I restring this old guitar and, uh, and use it to learn on? He's like, yeah, absolutely. So being absolutely naive and totally, uh, and green to guitar. Like I, I think I, I wound the E string backwards on this guitar and like, it was just a whole, it was just a mess. <laughs> Anyways, but that was the only guitar we had around. And so when I started playing guitar, got my own guitar, um, it, that one went back home with new strings on it. And, you know, my dad kind of started to mess around with the idea of playing guitar again. Um, so then I ended up, I actually bought him a Seagull Coastline um, Ooh, a couple of years nice. later. Um, and it was just a basic model. Like it didn't have any any electronics or, or anything in it, but it was just, it was just a nice Seagull guitar. And he's, Still got that today. Um, something I want to bring up after you're done. Okay. Um, and then, um, so he played that for a number of years. And since we've now got him an, a custom Kronbauer, like like the one I play, but uh, it was a, like a rescue guitar from uh, the the fire that took the Kronbauer factory in 2017. Uh, managed to track Ooh. one down and, and picked it up in Victoria when I was down there a couple of years ago. Um, so long story short, he's talking to me the other day about, hey, you know, you want to get a, maybe get an electric guitar. And I was like, you know what, man, I actually got a, I might have some for you. And so today he was dropping off a load of firewood in his dump truck and, 
and was like, Hey, show me that guitar. <laughs> so, um, right before he was still here when Al got here and he was, we were down here messing around and playing it through the pedal board. And, and he's like, I don't know if I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> he's a little bit kind of like overwhelmed by the possibilities. I think yeah. <laughs> a little bit of, a little bit of like paralysis due to just how overwhelming electric guitar can be. Well, you plugged him into starship central. No, there, no, so. no. I only had one pedal turn on. <laughs> no, I actually think it was two. I started cause I was playing earlier and I had, uh, I think I had the, the Corsair and the, and the atmosphere on like a nice rotary, long spacey reverb on the rotary setting. Real nice. I like it. He was like, boy, whew, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, man, that's, <laughs> that's like flying a space shuttle. If you've only ever played acoustic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So I didn't let him play with any of it. <laughs> I just had it on. <laughs> he would, so, yeah, but think about I know. it. He's never played any of that stuff. So he's already like, oh, my gosh, what is this? Yeah. And then cool. you're there like, no, don't touch the knobs, Dad. No, I was so, like, hang on. Just let me shut all that <laughs> off for you, Dad. And you can you can hear what I'm talking about. It's like, this. It's like when you see somebody, like, first time mixing live sound, and they've only ever used, like, a little four-channel Behringer board, and now they're sitting behind, like, 48-channel <laughs> yeah, yeah. Midas console. It's like... Oh, <laughs> it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's 300 knobs here. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, we got we got to kind of digging into that, and he played it a bunch. And then I, you know, was like, well, I have this guitar, and I, but I have one real similar to it in the pan that you know it's got a similar trim and and pickups arrangements and all that stuff. So I don't need to. So he's like, you know, what? I, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna take it. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, I'll get a, I get this little practice. I get this crate practice amp. Um, that's been like under a shelf for the last four years. It actually came with my pan when I got that guitar. So you underpaid for the pan and you got an amp with it? Yep. All right. Yep. So he's going to yeah, take the amp good. and the and the Gretsch and the hard case and everything. Nice. Yeah. It was really nice. It was, it was great. Yeah. And then uh, another thing that we talked about last week that actually came to fruition was Neil um, Graham from uh, Dr. Scientist messaged me literally while we were recording last episode about some parts he had laying around and that his parents were going to drop them off. And so they did. And the, man, he sent me these, these like new old stock, um, like paper and oil Russian um, capacitors. They are sweet. And just lo and behold, there's a project I'm working on because uh, Sean from Lollygager challenged me to build a Univibe um, as a, as a, my next pedal project. So I've taken that challenge and it just so happens that the, um, the capacitors that uh, Neil sent me, uh, uh, they are of a similar value that I can use within that pedal. So I'm actually going to build a couple and send Neil one. There you go. Yeah. Very nice. Cool. Yeah. You're, you reminded me that uh, last time I was up visiting my, my parents in, in my hometown, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I got to, to sneak off to the music shop and buy my mom an acoustic because she's been learning to play. Oh, cool. And I, and I got it. To, it was a... Never thought I'd do this because I used to hate Yamaha acoustics, but they're actually making great guitars they, right now. And you know what? They and they have been for a few years now. Yeah. yeah. And so I got her a Yamaha and I brought it home for her. Would you made my mom cry. Oh, what'd you get her? What was it? I don't remember the name of the model. It wasn't that expensive. Probably like a seven hundred series or something it like was, that. It was only like two hundred and eighty bucks, not with, not with bad. before case and all that stuff. Um but phenomenal sounding. I can't believe the the amount of guitar people are making for 280 bucks these days. Um, there's quite a few brands that are making guitars that are that in that range that play and sound way better than what guitars in that range used to sound like mm-hmm. and play like. Absolutely. My first acoustic cost about that much in the late nineties. And uh, it was garbage compared to the one I just got my mom. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, my first guitar ended up, it was probably that much like, but that was with a case and 
it, it was not a bad guitar. I actually regret selling it. He'd <laughs> never touch it now. You I know. still no, have. No, uh, I would though. I would because I, I I did play it. Like I did play it even after I got my Kronbauer. I still played it. It was a good guitar, and even like, but I had a whole bunch of work done to it. You know, I had like bone nut and saddle put right. in it. So Trevor modified the hell out of it, it, it for is, me. It is always worth having like just one beater acoustic grand. I would love to not take my Kronbauer out camping. Yeah, <laughs> sitting by a fire with a five thousand dollar guitar. Yeah, I guess what was a five thousand dollar guitar. You can't get that from five thousand anymore. You can't buy my guitar for five grand anymore. No, nope. oh, man. Oh, Trevor Kronbauer, you and your addictively beautiful instruments. I have been speaking to him lately. Nice. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. There was yeah. somebody cutting down a black walnut tree in Vernon. And I was like, hey, man, do you want this? He's like, oh, I'll look at it when I get back. I'm at work. I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'll go get it for you. <laughs> do you want a bunch of walnut? Do you want some walnut, Trevor? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you and your walnut, Casper. <laughs> oh, buddy, I'm going to send you to rehab for this. It's not a problem. I don't it's, have a problem. I know. <laughs> Quit any time I want. I just don't want to. Why would I want to quit Walnut? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's literally the prettiest wood there is. No. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Oh, no. Chris. Yes. No. Yeah, I do like Walnut. I got to say. Oh, man. What's wrong with Walnut? Listen, my man Casper here. That's a problem, Chris. <laughs> okay. I think you're blowing things way out of proportion. I think an addict is a... Do you know what color my Gretsch is that I'm selling to my dad? Walnut? It's walnut stain. Oh, I, <laughs> I quit. I quit. I quit the show I started. <sighs> okay. Look what you've done to me. I'm sorry, man. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. That's, I, should, <laughs> I should not lie. Do not lie on the air. Do not lie on the air. Do not lie on the air. Um, yeah. I'm that sorry. sounds believable. <laughs> <laughs> you repeat it five times. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, let's let's skip over Casper's addiction and my trust issues, and we'll get into. <laughs> let's talk to Chris about pickups. That's a whole other rabbit hole. We're not going to go down. <laughs> so okay, so I mean, um, you know, let's just start at the beginning. Yeah, like the, the, yeah. You know, like give us the give us the origin story. It's been a while since I've had to, I've gotten to say that. Yeah, but yeah, give us the origin story of Peg City pickups. Peg City pickups. Well. Uh, to be honest, it's, um, it all happened really quick. Uh, I've over the years, and I think it, we're, all of us guitar players can attest to, we, we end up getting locked in this zone where we're just searching for that tone, that, that sound that we want to hear every time we plug into our guitar, something unique to yourself or whatever. Right. And just like most guys, I spent tons of money on amps and pedals and you know everything under the sun and i started playing a little bit with pickups and understanding that the real foundation the, the real tonal uh you know sort of foundation everything that makes up your sound really starts at the root and that is your pickup so i started playing around a little bit doing a little bit of i wound a couple bobbins one time on a drill and tried to set myself up and get things going and it worked it wasn't great but it worked and then uh i kind of put it on the shelf for a little while didn't really play with it too much and uh last year during the pandemic i was on a project in northern manitoba in a camp and around the 15th of march we got hit with an ultimatum 
And basically that was you stay and you lock in or you go home and there's no knowing when you can come back to work. So at the moment, the obvious decision was to stay and we locked in and we were there. My crew and myself were there for 63 days, 63 days in a camp, not going home, you know, uh, what was your normal a camp rotation? that's on lockdown? Like a couple in, one out, or three in, one out? Three my in, two. my normal rotation for my position was fourteen in and seven out. Yeah, two in, one out. So I was usually uh, at work two weeks and home for a week. There you go. So sixty three days. Uh, just got to the point. Northern yeah, it was a long run. Northern, yeah, that's a rock part of the country, that. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is yeah, so much going on in that's, northern that's Manitoba. Like in solitary <laughs> confinement levels of insanity yeah. driving. <laughs> That's right, especially in a region that has about nine to nine and a half months of winter. Oof. It's uh, oh. it's it's drab. Poor it's man. very, yeah. <laughs> it's not the most exciting. But it and it got me to thinking, you know, like what you know, I've been in the trade for years, and I spent the vast majority, ninety percent of my time away from home. And it got me to thinking, you know, what can I do? What can I? What do I have? What can I do that's going to help me? You know, go home, stay home, ra- you know, help my wife raise the family. And, um, you know, make a little extra money and have a little fun. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to try the pickup game and see if people like what I got. So I did some shopping, bought some stuff, kind of got rolling, got home and, uh, things started going good. And next thing you know, you know, you got the Facebook thing going, you got this and that and people emailing, calling, Hey, can you make this? Can you make that? Can you make this, make that? And I started kind of maybe not the right way to start a business. And I mean, I don't know who starts a business in a pandemic, but I did. Sorry. There goes a swear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, at any rate, my wife asked me one day, she said, so if people are ordering stuff and then you order parts, how do you know that they're actually going to come in and buy your pickups? Well, that's a good good question. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So uh, that led me to, kicking off a website and getting that going. And now I have a secure place where people can come and look and shop and order and ultimately uh, pay securely and then, you know, get the whole business idea of things going. So I just kind of started that, got it going and chipped away at it slowly and let it grow organically and, you know, push it out on, on Facebook and Instagram and pictures and posts and, you know, just get it out there and, uh, that kind of was that. And in the time that I was doing that, I just hunkered down in the shop and I just wound coil after coil, after coil, after coil, practicing my, um, my winding technique, uh, taking readings, going in and out of test guitars. You know, I've got, uh, got a couple Stratocaster, Telecasters, Les Pauls, you know, I've got an array of guitars that I can test the different kind of pickups. And I just kept putting them in, testing, does it sound good? Does it sound, do I like it? You know, and going through the whole process and I just kept at it. And over the the last year and a half, uh, we've kind of gotten to where we're at now. And it's been a real blast, man. I I just really love it. It's super fun. It's something I can do for myself. And, uh, and I seem to be getting a really great response out there from, from a lot of clients. So, 
that's pretty much it in a nutshell. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's awesome, man. Honestly, yeah. we started, yeah. the pandemic was actually the perfect time to start a guitar-related business because oh, people were buying more stuff. Everybody's home more. Yeah. Having, yeah. you know, not that we, not that I feel like I personally didn't have a ton of like extra like liquid income. Um, but I think a lot of folks found ways to spend their money differently through the pandemic. For sure. So, yeah. ins- you know, instead Definitely. of just like hunkering down, paying their bills and doing their, that type of thing, it's like, it was a, it was a huge like paradigm shift for, musicians in general just because if you are a full-time mm-hmm. touring musician you're out of the loop completely like there's no work so right. you know finding other ways to to either either make money or do your thing differently um you know we've had we've heard this story from so many folks and we've probably had you know a half a dozen at least you know companies on the show that have started up in the same way you know going yeah. you, know, you know i tinkered at it as a hobby you know prior to this and then when my my day job went, you know, went away because of the pandemic. Um, you know, it was, it was not out of, of necessity that they started, but it was like, I got to do something. So, mm-hmm. you know, why not give this a crack? Because there's, there's no, you know, day job to go to. You can't go and just get another one because everything That's is right. closing up, you know? And then, and it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's becoming a really common um, narrative that that's a, a reason for, for small companies in the guitar industry to get going, whether it's when people have the time to do the things they love. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. I hope as, uh, as we transition to, uh, quote unquote, more normal ish back in the next couple of years, because I don't think it's going to be super Mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -mm. Um, I hope that that doesn't go away. Yeah. I think oh, you I and think, me both. <laughs> I, well, and I suspect it won't as much as it was mm-hmm. before. Um, just because I think when people have had a taste for this kind of thing, yeah. you know, and, and, and they realize like, Oh, life is more than working and paying. Yeah. That's like passion driven living versus, versus yeah. grinding. I, I think they're going to be pretty right. reluctant to give that up. Yeah. And uh, I think that personally, that's a good thing for our, culture. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. You know, we're so, and I'm and I'm saying we in a big sense as in Western culture. Yeah, we're so like work hard. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, that that seems work, to be work, our, work, 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 work is our big focus. Yeah, and that's, I think that's one of the more unhealthy things about our culture. Personally, yeah. it, it's interesting uh, that you said it like that too, because I've been having this like a dilemma with um, one of my kids. You know, just being a unruly orangutan and not. Focus, <laughs> focusing on the, you know, on the school and the, this, and, you know, just being a, a, you know, a bit of a troublemaker and having those conversations with him going, you know, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to do. You got to get this. You got to do that. You got to go to school. You got to work hard. You got to, and then, and it's all like, or do you like, what do you want <laughs> yeah. to do with your life? And how do you want to spend your life? If you don't want to be an academic, then don't be, but also don't, you know, leave yourself in a position to like, you know, yeah, live in my basement I, for the rest I of had, your life. <laughs> I had panic attacks almost throughout junior, like junior high and high school for me, yeah. of like because I hated school. I just didn't. It wasn't an environment I thrived well in, and I just kind of was like, okay, just I one day just kind of like an internal like sit down with myself, and just like you got to get through high school, Al. You just got to get that stupid diploma. And then you can go off and be a moron or whatever. You just got to have that basic foundation. That's um, it. So there's at least something there. Mm. Cause I, yeah, I'm cause, with you on that one. 
you know, I looked at, and that was a hard thing to do because I was living in Grand Prairie, Alberta, which was like oil field central. And anybody could drop out in grade seven and go roughneck it and be making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was yeah. really like, but that was also kind of my motivator. Cause I was like, if I don't finish school, I'm going to be a roughneck. That's where I'm going to end up. And yeah. I will hate my life so much more. Yeah. Cause that, that's one of the only places in the country, at least in Canada that will absorb greasy, totally unskilled labor at any kind of a reasonable wage. Yeah. But it's not mm-hmm. a lifestyle everybody wants to do. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Is, yeah, yeah. That was that was a hard thing. And it can't be hard. I, you know, I, I have good feelings for, nope. for you and your kids. It's uh, it's 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 rough stuff to deal with. We're we're getting through it. Um. <laughs> anyways, here on the yeah. like the guitarist version of the View. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's actually saying a lot. Touching on some feelings, man. Well, last week we had some pretty serious stuff we were talking about. With, yeah, we did. And uh, that seems to happen once in a while. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's part of the show goes where the show goes. Right. That's it. Yeah. Um, so what where did you start out? What was the first pickup you made, like established model, and then uh, where did you branch out? The first pickups I made, I first started just practicing on some humbucker bobbins, and it was more like to just see if I could achieve, you know, a coil with a proper reading. Uh, but the first pickups that I made... Uh, officially and actually called it something was what I call my VS61, my Stratocaster. It's a vintage uh, voice set. So that would have been, that would have been my first one. And it's uh, definitely very researched. I put a lot of time researching, you know, uh, in the late fifties, early sixties, how Leo Fender was trying to get the sound he was getting and, I used similar materials, uh, magnets and wire, and I just kind of wound it up, and that was it. Took some readings, made a set, and uh, I started giving my sets away to begin with. I was not ready in the beginning to charge people a bunch of money for something that I wasn't convinced you know, was going to make them happy. I knew it sounded good in my guitar, uh, but sound is subjective, so... Yeah. Um, that's, that's a tough I, thing to, to do too. It, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, so yeah, the VS 61, then I did a Telecaster set that I call my TC 204. Again, I, I kind of, I really based my first early model sort of on sort of vintage, um, specs. I tried to go back to the basic route of where the original builders, uh, when they designed their pickups were trying to achieve their sound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wound to that. And of course, you know, the, the caveat there is that your hand winding, your hand guiding, and, and ultimately this is where the voice is happening is, is in the coil, how it's traversed, uh, which is a beautiful thing because you get a lot of hand winders that can wind you half a dozen pickups with the exact same output ratings and, uh, probably have a very different sound, mm. which is interesting. And then I moved on to a uh, humbucker size P90 because I've always wanted a single coil in one of my Les Pauls. Yeah. And I, that, that was, I that gave was the original plan for this parts build that I'm working on. Was oh yeah, yeah. P90ish in the neck, and uh, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But no, I'm looking forward I'm not to gonna, the pickups I have. Just I don't like to brag, but I've 
heavily researched and practiced my humbucker size P90s, and I assure you they are among the best. Ooh. Um, but the first set, <laughs> the first set I made, have a conversation I gave, later. <laughs> yeah, uh, the first set of that I made, and the first set of TC204 I made, I gave to a friend and colleague at uh, Quest Music here in Winnipeg, who has graciously taken on my product as a retailer, which is fantastic. Oh, that's not awesome. Um, uh, Eric Dugas, his name was uh, or is, and uh, I made him the sets, and I said, "Here, man, take these." Throw me your guitars. Tell me what you think. You know, these were these were sets that I was happy with, with designs that I was happy with, sounds I was happy with, and I just wanted a good seasoned guitar player to give me their perspective, you know, compared to my own uh, ears, which are, you know, obviously a little biased, of course. So he came back and absolutely loved them. So it uh, spurred me further to, to do a little more research into some more different sets and um, I wanted to hit sort of the, uh, sort of that vintage tone market that was out there. It seems to be a lot of people are looking for the sort of for vintage tone these days. So I tackled a, uh, a PAF humbucker. Um, but that took a lot of extra time and research. I think it's interesting that that was your third yeah. pickup. Cause well, that's most, yeah. most, most pickup makers. That's where they start. They start straight away going after the PAF crowd. Yeah, um, I think I, it's cool that you started going after the Strat and 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 trying to get a great Strat sound because I honestly think getting a, a great Strat sound is more challenging. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and I I think I did I think I've done pretty good so far with with the Strat pickup, especially the VS sixty one. A lot of the comment that I get from guys is it's very Fendery, which fantastic. I guess that's yeah. you know. If that's the goal, man, that's great. That's good praise. Yeah, it's high praise. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, and then, you know, it just organically kept growing after that. You know, I just kept bringing in some more clients. Um, the next thing I did was I wanted a flagship heavy metal pickup. Um, but I know from my own experience for testing other pickups and different builds over the years, uh, I never, I never liked – uh, certain pickups, high output with ceramic magnets. And that was just my own sound preference. So I designed what I call my Angry Widow, which is my flagship heavy metal pickup. And I built and wound the coils around an Elmico 8 magnet. Oh. Um, I like them. I think they sound amazing. I've got great reviews, lots of five-star reviews on the website. And... Uh, uh, there was a good video done by Sam Jacobs and Derek. I wish I could remember his name, his last name, uh, for Rev Amps. And they had the Angry Widows in an SG. And they had a Tele set in another guitar. And it was a great, uh, it was a great uh, showcase of, of those pickups. Sam did a great job uh, showing those off. And cool. Maybe you, so can, maybe you can shoot us some links of those and we'll yeah, add them into the Absolutely. Showcase. <clears throat> also another I'll give a little shout out to another client here in Manitoba Dustin Breton uh Evil Peace Band is his band and actually he helped me quite a bit with the flagship heavy metal pickup because I didn't have an oscillator at home and he did and so I shot him a set of pickups he recorded it on his computer he showed me where the resonant frequency was how it was compared to uh, a couple other of the big builder models and uh, I made a couple adjustments Sent him another set, and ultimately that dialed in my uh, my flagship heavy metal pickup. 
Nice. And uh, then I made into my two-stroke humbucker, which is a mid to higher output. Uh, sort of a, I kind of want to, I wanted something between the PAF and the Angry Widow, but not too crazy. Um, so that one came into play. But uh, yeah, I mean, man, if I could try, if I could remember everything all it was it's been such a flurry this last year honestly has has been crazy um especially in the last three months i think i've pumped out about 35 sets of pickups in the last three months oh wow and it's just it's uh business is picking up um things are going really good i did just actually complete a new humbucker set that's on the website which is in collaboration with a, a client i have in ontario uh who I met by chance in a guitar store. I'm not going to mention which one that, uh, was it, was it that one? <laughs> it was that one oh, yeah. <laughs> that I, uh, I went to with some product and an offering, uh, to see if, you know, maybe we could do some business. And, uh, this particular guitar store, uh, didn't care that I even existed. Oh, it was that one. So it was that oh, one, so which is fine. Now. All good. I don't really care, but, uh, I ended up meeting this fellow uh, as he was looking for a P90 pickup they didn't have, and I just shot him a business card. I said, hey, shoot me a call, and we can talk. And uh, is uh, he's been great. He's purchased uh, three sets of pickups now, and we've collaborated together on something very specific that he wanted, and uh, it turned into a set that I'm putting in my lineup called the Super Knots that he named. So, Super Knots, okay. You know what? Super Knots, yeah. So that's it's been a great ride. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, next on the next on the list of innovation or R and D, I guess I'm going to be looking at some Firefly pickup voicings, and uh, I'd like to bring back the uh, the wide range humbucker, mm, not yeah. the ones you get now. I'd like to try and bring back yeah. a little closer to those early ones because they're really hard to replicate. It's so that's super the, hard. Yeah, that's, that's up that's, in my R and D now. I think that's become one of, uh, especially with the explosion in popularity of wide ranges. Yeah, um, I think that the original style wide range has become one of those like Holy grail pickups that people are trying to a lot, a few builders out there are trying to get nailed yeah. down because I mean, it's not like you can get those magnets anymore. So that's, that's the thing. Yeah. It, getting a manufacturer that can make you that particular magnet is next to impossible. So there's a few that are doing some, you know, that basically have a more of an alnico sound. And I don't know if we'll ever get around that, but if that's the best magnet I can get, then I'll work with the winding to try and uh, voice it in such a way that it reacts, you know, mm-hmm. properly and try and give you that, that real wide range humbucker tone. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a tone I'm looking to add to it, my, my arsenal for yeah. sure. I've been, uh, it's a tricky one. <clears throat> something I don't have. And I'm in love with 72 deluxe tellies. Like, well, uh, that was, I was, it's on my list too. Both I'm, the I've missed one. Hollow. Yeah. Oh, you got close. On well, that I got one. so yeah. close on that one. But the I, deal was done from the day I fell in love with uh, Coldplay's first record. Um, I've wanted to nail that 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 clean tone and that that the tone of those those pickups are just uh, so intrinsic to that. Um, yeah. There's just something about them. There's just mm-hmm. and they actually they drive it's, well too. It's it's yeah. the weirdest thing like. Not like you can get great telly clean tone with, with you know, quote unquote stock or standard telly pickups, 
Um, but those same great clean tone pickups, um, I, I, it's a real crapshoot <laughs> for me as to whether they're going to drive well. And, and I, I find they very often don't. Right. Um, or they'll drive well and the clean tone will be like, eh. it's, it's hard to get pickups that do both real well. Yeah. Um, in the way that wide ranges or single coils will do. And, and yeah. Yeah, I really want to get a set of wide ranges. I'm, I'm seriously debating, because I got that Jazzmaster. Well, I get some wide range jazz shaped pickups. Yeah. Um, but, or I just need. Uh, <laughs> you, you need something else to replace those. those. Yeah, they're kind of, they're lethargic, man. I'm yeah. not going to lie. No, they're, it, I mean, they're, they're okay. <laughs> I, I, I would say for the price range that guitar comes in from Squire. 100%. Fantastic. Um, but I've got that Rubato carbon fiber neck on it, which is ruining my life because now I want one of those on everything. <laughs> um, and it's it's got the Descendant tremolo on it. That guitar plays and feels so good. And then plugging it in, this the the stock Squire pickups are kind of like, eh. <laughs> it's 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 like, have you ever gotten in somebody's really really well done hot rod? Only to find out it's like got like a little four cylinder engine in it or something. It's just kind of like, eh. <laughs> the car looks like it should just have all the attitude and and uh, cojones in the world, and it's got nothing underneath it. That, that, mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what this guitar is feeling like. Hmm. It it feels and plays so good, but those darn pickups are just lagging way behind the rest of the quality of what I've got going on with that thing. So. That's a Squire Telly. Uh, it's a Jazzmaster. It was a, a Jazzmaster. Yeah. So I've okay. Rubato Guitars uh, hooked me up with a, a, a carbon fiber neck, and uh, that changed my life. Um, mm-hmm. The the stainless steel frets, the fret work on it is amazing. It just yeah. And then I swapped the tremolo that Squire put on it for a Descendant tremolo, um, which is you know, really changing the way people look at offset tremolos. And, uh, yeah. And now the guitar, I don't even consider it a Squire anymore. It's, it's just a really nice offset guitar, but the, the electronics are still Squire. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's just, yeah. Now that everything is at like beyond boutique level, except for those electronics, it's, it's that yeah. thing where they just really stand out now in a, not and a good way. Unfortunately in the, in the mass produced world of guitars and instruments, the unfortunate part uh, is where they actually save a lot of their money is in the electronics. Totally. And I don't, you know, I don't um, begrudge Squire for what they do. No. Like the price point on that guitar is it's a little over 500 bucks. Um, yep. The quality of, of, of what it, the, what an instrument it was, was absolutely worth it. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, it, it was comparable. It's I, I think it's comparable what Squire's putting out in that model to like the Fender Mexican standard series. Yeah. Um, and it's hitting at that price point that the Mexican standard series used to be at, you know, eight, nine years ago. Uh, right. But yeah, you, you upgrade so much on this thing. And then, yeah, the electronics that were really kind of a beginner electronic set. Um, mm-hmm. Just, they just stick out so bad now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's unfortunate because they do build great instruments. Squire, uh, Epiphone. Yeah. I've got I've got a collection of Epiphones. I got a, co- a collection of Squires. I actually just picked up uh, recently a Squire. Um, it's a classic vibe or whatever Telecaster. The one yeah, with the, yeah uh, I've, got, I've got one of those. Yeah. yeah, and 
you know, I brought it home. I played it in the store and it felt great. I mean, it felt like a solid, well-built Telecaster. It has, it's double bound or it's got the, uh, yeah, it's double bound. It's literally it's got the, the, exact the, same uh, guitar, the exact same guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you it's the exact same uh, tobacco burst yep. uh, finish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I put a, so I, a black pick guard on mine. Okay. Yeah. I still have the white pick guard, yeah. but. I played it in the store. I was like, man, this this feels like a telly. Like, there's no denying that this yeah, felt like a telly. I actually went in there and for I, a different guitar when I went yeah, to that store. I, and uh, yeah. uh, I was looking at the Paranormal series uh, just as a, something different because I like offsets. But this thing was on the, on the rack used, and it was great right, buy. We're gonna get the, uh, I was going to get the, the offset telly. The offset telly, yeah. And uh, this thing was sitting there for 100 bucks cheaper. And I like oh, nice. it's just in double-bound classic vibe man why why wouldn't yeah. you it's a good guitar it plays great my no. story is kind of the same but opposite find, a little I bit i pickups a little lethargic but <laughs> yeah i went in i went in looking for a squire telly for the purpose of bringing one home to have a test guitar yeah um and i did i tried out a few and they were you know in that lower price range to 250 kind of mm. almost 300 bucks and I was about to pay for this gray one, and I turned around, looked at the wall one last time, and this tobacco burst was sitting there. I was like, wait a minute. Is I it- pulled it down, started playing it. I was like, this plays way better. <laughs> <laughs> this thing well, the, is amazing. The, the lower, like the lower cost ones, those affinity ones are hit and miss. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, did the, I did a similar cycle through the place, and... Yeah, they just they didn't speak to me, and that's you know it. the the paranormal was great. Like it played it, and it was a it was a good guitar. And I just about bought the thing, but then when I saw this, it was like, why would I spend five ninety nine when I can spend four seventy five and yeah. get this one? And it's like right. it is the telly that is the telly. It's just a square. So I I doubled what I planned to spend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but absolutely worth it not a regrettable uh, choice at all it, it's uh yeah. it's an amazing guitar it plays yeah. absolutely awesome bang for the buck wise right now squire's just crushing it yep it's yeah. so good yep. um as, as entry level guitars go and at a little it even maybe not entry level price point because everybody can go anybody can go out and spend a couple hundred bucks on a really cheap guitar you, know, you can sure. go buy a glary if you want sure. for sure <laughs> but you know like you say bang for your buck you know, at a at a moderate price point that, you know, if you were serious about learning or, or playing guitar, uh, you know, a five hundred dollar guitar is a is a great is a great five hundred dollars to spend. It's it's oh yeah, absolutely. It's five hundred bucks you could play a stadium gig with. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. You know, and like, and still sell for with doing you, not doing nothing, maybe a basic yeah. setup, but mm-hmm. like even the electronics that are in it. As you know, as we're sitting here talking about how that's the one thing we all want to change. The electronics that are in it are not so bad that you couldn't gig it. No, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely, and it's it's the only thing about the guitar aside from the like swapping out the pick cards. But I got a smoking deal on all those pick cards, so I'm not going <laughs> to talk about that. But it's the it's the only thing that it's like I want to try more. Not that I need more, but I want I want to try you know a set of like vintage Fender pickups in it. You know, mm-hmm. like you say, you get right down to the brass tacks of it. The 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 foundation of tone comes right off the pickups. So it really does. Um, you know, yeah. and and we're, we don't lack for a lot of effects pedals and amps and like and and variety around here. So it, it just doesn't seem to do enough. Yeah. Different. But if they cut corners, yeah. if they put great electronics in it and then cut corners on. You would notice. Stuff, you'd hate. Well, that's, you'd hate the right, guitar. So. Yeah. That's that's the problem. They're going to cut corners on the on the finish of the neck and the finish of the frets and 
all the other places where you really just need it to feel good and yeah, play good. Yeah, because those corners, when they get cut, the instrument, you don't like playing it. So well, the you don't, don't like playing it. it. The instrument it suffers and your experience suffers yeah. way yeah. more than if it has just a, you know, a standard yeah. set of pickups in mediocre it. Mediocre pickups yeah. versus mediocre instrument. I'd, yeah. I'd rather have <laughs> mediocre pickups every single time. Yeah, for sure. That's right. That's right. And then I can go out and talk to somebody like you. <laughs> Chris, save my guitar. Yeah, that's my that's my ultimate goal is to make budget guitars sound amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cuz you can. You you absolutely can. You, if if it's a guitar that just plays well and is set up really well, then the person playing it is comfortable. You know, that's half the battle right there. That's that's a lot of the sound right there is just a comfortable player that knows what they're doing on an instrument. And then giving them something, giving them a foundation that can deliver that that sound and that power through the amp, through your pedal board, and make that sound. I mean, you know, a lot of people slag a bit on, like, say, Tom Morello. They say he uses a lot of effects, he uses all of this, that, and the other thing. But he's a pretty uh, down-to-earth guy. I think one of his guitars or most of his guitars, but one in particular, he ended up buying in Vancouver at a pawn shop for like 45 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. because his guitars didn't make it across the border and it's like the number one in his fleet. Well, he, his telly you know? is a Mexican one. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, what he's been playing for years. So you're, you're talking about a PV 412. I mean, the guy is not, yeah. the guy is not about the, the premium, the big expensive brand name or tags. Yeah. It's just, is it a good instrument? Does it play well? Boom. You're, you're golden. Make yeah. it sound great. And, and that's it. That's all you really need to do. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was kind of funny when, um, he started getting the Fender signature deal in place and <laughs> those signature models, they had a premium price. Down. Mm-hmm. Was sure. Did. Of course. Yeah, of course <laughs> Especially they, they were hey. based, based off the Mexies. I thought you were a communist, yeah. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I'm sure they're cool guitars though. I never got a chance to try any of them, but <laughs> you know, well, the that, uh, Adam Jones, Les Paul that Gibson put out, it was like, finally, one of my biggest guitar heroes is putting out a signature. $10,000. Oh, yeah. Damn it! <laughs> uh, that's uh, where we live, and and the like. The proximity to to guitar related stuff is low. Like we just there's no there is no opportunity to go, to go out and play that. Yeah, like right. You, you know, maybe it's great, but how the hell would I know? You know, it's just, it's just the <laughs> opportunity at $10, to go and actually. I don't even want to find out if it's great. Like, yeah, you don't want to have that <laughs> nagging in the back like, of your I'm head. Not buying right? that. Yeah, <laughs> but at this no, for you know. How much? How much better could it possibly be to make it ten thousand dollars good? I don't know. You I know, because I got a I got a thousand dollar SG that I love and yeah. it plays great. And I I don't know how much better a, a five thousand dollar SG is going to make. And is it justifiable? Yeah, well, I, people are funny with. I mean, that's one of those things where it comes down to like how much do you worship your heroes? Because Adam Jones, I mean, he loves his Silverburst Les Paul Customs. That's the only guitars he plays. And he swears that the Silverburst finish affects the sound. I don't know how much I put in that, but uh, um, you look at the era that Tool got started, and you look at the era he started playing those guitars. Well, he bought those, you know, he got them used when they were at their dirt and cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, of course, you know, it wasn't a big deal for him. Um, our heroes didn't 
you know, start out playing the $15,000 instruments. They started playing the pawn shop stuff. They found good quality stuff usually. Jimmy Page or Eric Clapton with their 59 less mm-hmm. balls. Bought them in pawn shops when they were worthless dirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. I will one day be someone's guitar hero. <laughs> yes, you will, will, buddy. And I didn't have a cheap guitar as my <laughs> in my in my formative years. No, but I, you know, you, well, okay, listen, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the likelihood of me being a good, of someone's guitar hero other than like maybe one of my kids. But you is, were a gainfully employed person. You're absolutely right. I was, I was an adult when I began playing guitar. And let's not talk about what you got into your Kronbauer when you got it, as opposed mm. to what you'd have to pay for one now. Yeah. Yeah. No. You guys still have your first electric guitar? Uh, Al, Al made me sell mine. <laughs> did not. Yes, you did through ridicule. And uh, <laughs> I have uh, no is the short answer, but I have. I love this story though. You should tell it again. Oh, Al, Al got. I'll share the abbreviated version. Al got a Fender. So I happened to go into the pawn shop in my hometown and buy what I thought was a crappy Strat, and what at that time. Maybe most people thought it was a crappy Strat, um, but it was a it was a black Fender Strat, and it said Squire Series on the headstock and made in Japan. <laughs> and I bought it for a hundred bucks, and I thought, oh, it's Japanese made, so it's not that great. It's because uh, I didn't know anything about guitars. I thought the only good stuff was the American made stuff, and then everything else was the low end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up trading it for uh, one of those Digitech like. RP seventy five all in one effects units or something like that, and <laughs> only later on, like five or six <laughs> years later on, I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> what have I done?" Um, but I did um, when I was still in high school, around the same time I had that Strat. I, I love SGs; they've always been arguably my favorite guitar. Um, okay, and I went down to my local music shop and. There was a used Korean-made Epiphone SG, and uh, I bought it. I had to do it on layaway, <laughs> but I got it, and I still have that thing to this day. Uh, it's a lot rougher. <laughs> mm. A little bit. A little bit rougher, yeah. So it's 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 one of those, like, it's time on the um, resuscitation bench is coming, mm-hmm. where it's going to get... New well, electronics. I, mean, I actually have the new electronics. Yeah, you do. Um, and uh, these pickups were supposed to be tested out in that guitar, but they're getting put in the parts build instead. Um, but it's 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 right on the right around the corner for yeah. The, the electronics are going to get put in. Um, going to get a new nut on that thing, and then uh, decide where to go for pickups. Um, yeah, with it. Wide ranges are definitely. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. SG yeah. with wide ranges would That'd be, be pretty, cool. pretty cool. Uh, I still have that would SG be interesting. Standard. Yeah, because I have a Gibson SG standard, and that thing is never getting changed. All the all the tea in China could not get me to change that guitar. It's perfect. Right. It's <laughs> SGs SGs tend to uh, respond really well to higher output as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and this thing. So I got mine. It's a 2003 SG, and uh, so it has the 498 bridge position, and then the 490 neck position, uh, which mm-hmm. are the pickups that I think they still put in Les Paul Customs and, and started doing that so. in the early 90s. So mm. um, when you when you think about that, like that was Gibson's high-end pickup in the 90s. 
lot of people don't like them, but I think it's because a lot of people don't know how to use them. They're mm-hmm. not a PAF. They're not trying to be a PAF, and I mm. think that's where people get confused. Um, but they sound great in mahogany, and that's what a Les Paul Custom is, mahogany. No that's right. maple cow. And they have a nice high output, and they're bright. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can throw a lot of people. Mm. But when you buy an SG, at least an SG standard, it comes to that 498 and that 490, and it's all mahogany, it's just a lighter cooler looking Les Ball custom in my mind. <laughs> it's all mahogany. I'll have, I'll have to give you that the 490, 490 combo in this don't sound anywhere near as good. No. And, so, and that's a big thing. The 490 is a bridge pickup. Yeah. Limp. It's just, it's just lacking strength. Okay. Um, 498 in the bridge position sounds great. 490 is a neck pickup. Yeah, it's fantastic. Ah, yep. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Now we should probably talk about his pickups, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <It's like going. laughs> Sorry, half, half, this, Nick. half the show is me going off on tangents about everything. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually still have my first electric guitar. Oh, yeah, I'll it's a nineteen. Mm. Did, <laughs> mine's a uh, nineteen ninety one RG five fifty Ibanez. Oh yeah, and Shred. mid it's got the uh, midnight purple. Uh, I did change the humbucker in it oh, years ago, obviously. Um, I was like 16, 17, playing in a punk rock band, touring around the city, all kinds of cool little shows and stuff. It was a lot of fun. I threw a DiMarzio Super Distortion uh, two-tone with a black bobbin and a hot pink bobbin in a purple guitar. <laughs> Bam. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Looks hot as hell. Uh, <laughs> and I, I kept it that way. Uh, forever but uh yeah i still have it it hangs on the wall now in tribute uh she's 30 years old you know if you need there's a great pickup maker in, in winnipeg that, uh, <laughs> yeah make that sound beautiful yeah. <laughs> I, to be honest uh i can't play an ibanez guitar anymore and it's it's uh it's a physical impediment that i created for myself at work i shortened my uh 2005, I shortened my uh, fretting hand ring finger by about three eighths of an inch Ooh, at work. Uh, three. So <laughs> that is not. Ouch, yeah. That's not even a little bit. That's a big chunk. <laughs> no, of, no. Yeah, I was, my, my head was running through the measurement. I was like, that's not the. That's not just the tip. That's that's a, like that's most of the fingernail. <laughs> yeah, I, I shortened her off pretty good. Um, <clears throat> well, don't so, you shouldn't do that. No, and honestly, uh, it. I struggle to wrap all the way around. Uh, and I've been as neck. They're just they're such a, it's just such a wide neck, wide that skinny, uh, yeah. wide and skinny, yeah, and it's just not comfortable to play anymore. Um, so I've I've turned to the to the Les Paul models, which the slim taper D neck is actually what fits my hand the best. So uh, that's what I play when I play. I so but uh, I never got along with an RG neck. Uh, the the Wizard Two kind of thing just. Mm-hmm. I, I've got bare paws, and too small a neck is, is just. I feel like I'm trying to play on a ruler or something. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's super thin. Yeah, yeah. So now she hangs on the wall as a little tribute in my living room, a little decoration. But that's uh, that's my first guitar. That's my first electric guitar was an Epiphone Les Paul Special. <laughs> And uh, you can buy nice. them brand new for 200 bucks. Yep. Yeah. And it was 
a guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So I it didn't have a pick guard or anything on it. So like I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a Les Paul pick guard on this because I I want that pick guard. Well, what I didn't realize at the time when I ordered all the stuff and bought the pick guard and the hardware and and everything is that the the uh, knob arrangement on those Les Paul specials is not like a standard like a Les Paul, and it only okay. has it only has two knobs I think or maybe three, but they're they're in a line and it the one the volume knob is like when you put the pickguard on is half cut off by the pickguard. So yeah, I, actually, I actually had to like carve out the pickguard around the knob and like bevel <laughs> the edge. And like I spent a lot of time making this look good. And and I was like, why is this so weird? Why can't I have the, and I had, obviously I knew nothing about guitar. My, <laughs> my partner at the time or my girlfriend at the time was like, why do you need another guitar? You have a guitar and that she bought me as a gift. And I was like, oh, well, it's just, that's an acoustic. This is an electric. And you know what the first amp I had was? Best part about this, the first amp I had was a Mustang 4. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of effect. There's a lot of amp for that. <laughs> I got a Mustang upstairs. For that for that guitar and the the Master of Puppets, I think, effects uh, mm-hmm. thing was right in there. So you could, like, rock all your favorite Metallica riffs. <laughs> <laughs> Should have known that relationship wasn't going to work out when she questioned having more. Guitar. Right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, why isn't the gift I gave you enough? It's like, you don't understand. This is, mm-hmm. this is guitar. <laughs> you gave me one meal. I need many throughout my lifetime. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it was not a great guitar. It played like a guitar sh- kind of should, and I had it in a case for a long, long time. And I was like, "Why do you get rid of that? You're never gonna play it." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things, right? It's either gonna be wall art or you just need yeah. to get something else. And then just constantly haranguing me about it, so I did sell it eventually. And the the lady <laughs> that bought it bought it for her husband as a gift, Christmas gift, and he was. Happier than anything, I guess. But it had a hard shell case, and you got you got cool guitars now. Yeah, you got guitars that when you hang them up, you're really stoked at how cool they look. Well, and how well they play, and, and how good they sound. That, that, that guitar. No, <laughs> I I do regret I, letting the case go though, because mm, I bought the case good, extra, yeah. and it was like mm, a nice hard shell, and I really would have should have just kept the case and sold the guitar. Yeah, because I'm short on electric guitar cases right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Truth be told, I actually brought I brought the Ibanez RG550 to uh, the music store here in Winnipeg with the intention of maybe trading it in, selling it. I was looking at a new amplifier, again chasing chasing that sound. This is a few years ago, and uh, luckily the one of the guys there kind of had a bit of a freak out when he saw the guitar, and he flipped it over, looked at the serial number, and he said, "Do you realize that this guitar is actually?" not a 91 it's actually a 92 and i was like i don't even know what you're talking about right now dude and uh, <laughs> he went on this tangent about how back in 91 the ibanez factory made a bunch of guitars now i didn't research this i just kind of took his word for it and took my guitar and went home but um back in the early 90s or 91 they restructured and they moved the factory i believe to okinawa japan from where they were and somehow at some point in the mix 91 bodies got mixed with 92 necks and there was a there was a weird mix of colors like the color of my guitar apparently they didn't do for many many years after that or if they've done it ever since and uh so he's like oh you got this super rare ibanez da, 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 da. 
uh, super awesome. And he was freaking out. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep it. I put it back in the case and I just left. And I was like, I'll just keep it. I don't play it anymore, but apparently it's cool. So I'm going <laughs> to go throw it on my wall. <laughs> and that's where she's going to stay. <laughs> How do you, like, I, I don't know. There's some brands that are real hard to figure out their serial numbers and then years and dates and stuff. And I, I've never gotten yeah. Ibanez. Uh, Ibanez, if I understood what that fellow was telling me, there's a, there's an F at the beginning, which is for Fukushima, Japan. And then when it went to Okinawa, it changed altogether. Mm. If that, if that's what he was saying was correct, then that's kind of where, where that is. But yeah, serial numbers are always hard to, to track and understand yeah. what they, what they mean is where's the date? Where's the yeah. number of the guitar? Where's how do you, how do you decode these, it? Right? These factors. Yeah. My, yeah. One of my favorite, well, I mean, if you wanted to go into Gibson, you can, and you can, you can dig through their 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 serial numbers and, and extrapolate yeah. something yeah. from it. Gibson since the late seventies, I think, has been one of the easier ones. Right. Yeah. So now you take the uh, Matsumoku built um, like Aria guitars, um, like right. my Pan Hollow Body, or even even this one here, my my Aria Pro Two. It, 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 I actually was like digging in to try to find out some kind of way to decode the serial number and what I actually found was that the serial numbers were just arbitrary. It was just around, just numbers. There's just nothing a random number. Yep. Yeah, with, with the like yeah. 60s, 70s Japanese import stuff. Absolutely and, yeah, nothing about anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even like the first 10 years of Ibanez, they were totally amongst that, just like no plan whatsoever. Yeah. Just like, it needs a number, pow! Yep. <laughs> it means nothing. They, 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 and from what I can, what I understand, they may not even have been in like production sequence. Like it was just, yeah, it's just, just a number. Just a number. It was like, oh man, like I, I want to know when my guitar was built. I want to know all this stuff. You know? Well, they, like so that that aria that I had that was same same, era, same thing. Yep. Um, then you get the extra confusion of the fact that Epiphone at the, at that time and a bunch of other brands were getting their guitars imported from the same factories. Yeah. And in Epiphone's case, they weren't even making specific models. They were just buying the models those factories were making. Slapping mm-hmm. an Epiphone logo on the headstock and using the same random serial number. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> so this is the same guitar as that Aria Pro t- and that Pan. And there's and 15 Concord other brands. And and Raven. Same, yeah. and like, oh, man. And, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like mm-hmm. the best you can do is get like a shotgun dating system. Where it's like sometime between 1968 and 1974, yep. this, this guitar was built. Japan. Yeah. That's the That's best it. I can, you know, you, they're hard to repair you, because you can't find the same parts. Yeah. And it's there. Yeah. If you're looking for something specific, like the, the early Gibsons, that's where <clears throat> people really hunt for specific serial numbers and stuff because the early Gibsons, the Les Pauls coming out with the humbuckers and, you know, 57 is when they first started seeing a humbucker, 58, 59 started ramping up in the early 60s before they became a, uh, a patent number pickup when they were still sort of a PAF. Uh, Gibson was getting number one. They had different bobbin colors that, um, yeah, you know, they know usually had the block. <laughs> that's it. They usually had black or cream or black and cream together, uh, or double cream, which was what a lot of uh, collectors were really looking for. Um, well, I think Demarzio. But then it was also that patent, well, yeah, right? that's why Demarzio, Demarzio ended up. That's right. They ended up with a trademark patent. So. 
unfortunately for little guys like myself and other builders out there, we, we can't actually sell you a double cream PAF style pickup. We can't sell you a double cream at all because it's a patent uh, on the trademark. Um, but also I think the other big factor too, in that time was you had, you had pickups that were wound on machines. So the, the traverse was machine guided and CNC guided. So you had a, you know, sort of a perfect wind, but what you lacked there was they didn't have an auto stop. So you had somebody in the factory working on all these Lisona machines that didn't have an auto stop and they would just be stopping them when the counter said roughly 5,000 per yeah. bobbin <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in or around. And you would get, sometimes you would get a pickup that had, you know, one bobbin of the two in the humbucker was say three and a half K and the other one was like 4.2 K and it's a drastic difference, but they would put them together anyways. It didn't matter. Mm. And they also just randomly put bar magnets under there. They didn't know if, if there was a period of time, about three, four years where Gibson didn't even know if they were using Alnico three, four, five, they didn't two. They didn't know what they were putting there. So you, you they were using you magnets. Have, <laughs> they were using magnet bar magnets, Alnico bar magnets. It's all they knew for, I mean, I wouldn't say that's all they knew. I don't want to speculate there, but they knew for a fact that they weren't getting very specific combinations all the time. They were just putting what they had and they were pumping out guitars. So now you've got, but how did, you know, cult. <laughs> they didn't know they like, they couldn't have known they were, they were making they, a product in a factory. Trying yeah, to sell they probably musicians. didn't know. There's no way you yeah. could have predicted that no. literal cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Spring up around this and, and, you know, 70 years For later, sure. here we are on a podcast talking about it. And like, how, how can you possibly predict that? That's right. You know, people are going to be yeah. like poor Ted McCarty like, for the rest <laughs> of his bloody life. And, 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 and Seth, like th- just <laughs> those poor, those poor dudes for the rest of their lives. They just had people just like, okay, tell us what your secret was, please. Yeah. Like, I know you have a secret. Surely there's a secret. And he's like, yeah, I put two bobbins together and I put them in a, Put a magnet. Chrome cover and <laughs> yeah. put the thing and just go away. Just <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. it. That's that's uh, how I sort of came up with my my first PAF reproduction, my classic fifty nine. I actually put in the bridge. I use an Alnico two magnet, and in the neck, I use an Alnico four magnet. And it's in, they do blend very well together. They make a very nice sound when you have the two pickups together. Alico 2 gives you a really gritty, nice bridge tone, especially when it's wound right with the bobbins. But again, it's sort of a play on that era, you know, where they didn't really know exactly what. So I purposefully mix up the uh, the magnets between the two in the set. I appreciate And uh, just kind of play there. against <laughs> sort of what they were doing at that time, you know. And uh, they, they sound good for a PAF. They yeah. sound really good. I appreciate yeah. you being honest about it. I feel like a lot of the, and I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of people out there doing the PAF thing, and they they talk extensively about like you know like reverse engineering these things, and we yeah. sacrificed a PAF to reverse engineer it, and well, and, and and calling it um, like it's an exact science, when and that's it the very part much, I have an issue with. Very much wasn't at <laughs> like the time. You're, I I can respect anybody finding a PAF style thing that they feel is the best, yeah, and that's fine. But it's this weirdness of like we've perfected it. It's like yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're never going to perfect yeah, it. I, I dare you to grab no. ten of them and, and test them and <laughs> yeah. play them and yeah. have them sound the same. Hundred you know? percent. There's, there's a reason you know, Bonamassa is driving up the vintage 
market oh. on these things by buying them. That's it's right. actually, it seen. actually hurts me to see him post about, oh, look at this these pair of gold tops I just got. It's like, <laughs> it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> Listen, dude. Some of us had the fantasy that we might acquire something yeah. like this one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and like, and you've you, got shipping containers full of them. And you, you having all, like, because he only made like a few yeah. hundred 59s. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's got 50 yeah. of them. Yeah. So it's like, come on, man. You just, yeah. The vintage yeah, guitar I, market is exclusively for rock stars at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't. Okay, I, can't I didn't do it. any, uh, I didn't do any reverse engineering, but I did look at, you know, what's the period correct material to use? The, you know, the butrate bobbins, the, Nickel silver base, the, you know everything I use for my my PFs are period correct materials. But when it came to the winding and stuff, I actually ended up, um, you know, watching a few YouTube channels of old old like history of pickups and stuff. And for myself, the way I kind of came across it was I I got clips of the the Lisona machines winding bobbins in the Gibson factory. And then I would watch it and I would count in my head the seconds it took to go from one side to the other. And I would just count and practice. And then when I started winding my PS, I just doing it by hand, you're going to get a natural scatter. So you're going to get a different tone anyway, regardless of what you do. But then I just count in my head and I try and replicate what the Lee Sonar machine was doing, uh, you know, as a machine. And I do that by hand. And uh, I don't know that you can really get you know, the perfect absolute replica of what they did back then. But you can't, that you, was you sort just, of my take on you gotta land somewhere you love. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I mean, there's, there's a I cool just, book out there about it. The, the Gibson PAF humbucker. Um, yeah. And it'll, it'll, it goes into great detail about just like how, what really, how inconsistent these things were. The For science sure. Behind yeah. them and, yeah. yeah, there's a lot to it. It's craziness. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Oh, man. I've done that thing again where I've, I've ranted so many times in this episode. We're <laughs> <laughs> hitting the closing end here. Um, Chris, where can people best find you, dude? Uh, absolutely on Instagram. I try and stay as current as possible on Instagram. Um, my website, pegcitypickups.com is probably the best place you can go if you've got a little bit of time and you want to shop around and actually absorb a bit of information. I put a lot of information on my website to help people uh, make their decision as to what they're looking for in their tone. Um, I got links to a page I wrote on all the magnets that are used and how they affect your tone. I mean, there, you, could spend, you could spend an hour on my website just learning... <laughs> Sorry about that. Hello. That's a a noise. So that's a ukulele that I two-sided taped to the wall in my shop and just fell off. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So that's that. Um, You know what? Last week I drank water and I... Yep. I poured it down my lungs. You didn't and I drink spent water. Like, you inhaled water. I inhaled water. water. Yeah. And I, I spent like five to ten minutes coughing. In the, Easily ten minutes. As we're talking about how... Uh, Sean at Lollygagger named his his latest or his upcoming his upcoming pedal, pedal yeah. David for in tribute to someone who who passed away from suicide. Mm-hmm. It's really touching conversation. We're all trying to like be respectful, and then 
There's me, just like every like 30 seconds, <laughs> all through this, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm such a yutz. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Noise yeah, is yeah, happening. noise is yeah. ukulele yeah, falling. That, no that's problem. a thing. All good. Yeah, that, hey, this kind of stuff happens. But yeah, no, uh, my website is a great place. Um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, my email, chris at pegcitypickups.com. Um, and, your, and your Instagram and Facebook or Peg City Pickups? Yeah, at Peg City Pickups. Easy to find me. Um, you know, I, I'm a local guy, local builder. I do this as sort of a side hustle. You know, it's a hobby thing. I understand, you know, how it is to get into this game and push through this and, you know, not lose your shirt, but be able to do what you can do and do what you want to do. So I offer, uh, you know, pricing structure for legitimate builders out there the hand you know guys that are building guitars uh you know trying to work together and and bring everything to you know together so that's uh it's kind of it in a nutshell and awesome. hit me up on my website hit me up on instagram message me uh i'm here to help i'm here to you bring very, like great guitar tone to the world and you're one of the few people I've ever messaged on Instagram that has the auto reply turned on. Honestly, that annoys me because it's supposed to, it's actually not supposed to auto reply in the same conversation, but if you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm sure you notice you yeah. wait a couple of days and you shoot me. Hey, well, thank you for a It's like, Oh man, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> am I able to, am I able to throw out a little shout out? Of course. Absolutely. To, uh, man, to yeah. some people. Awesome. Yeah. And so, Definitely in my journey, there's been some people um, in the industry who have really stepped up and done a lot of cool things that have really helped grow Peg City Pickups. Um, one of those is a guy right in your neck of the woods out in Port Moody. His name is Bruce Sankan. He has a company called Intonation Guitars. Uh, he does a lot of repairs, rebuilds, uh, pick guards. It's one of his biggest ones. Um, he found me through the interwebs he found me on my website and we got to talking and uh you know things led to things and he's doing his thing out there he's doing his business but he's heavily supporting peg city pickups he's he's pushing my pickups out there and uh, you know it's been integral in my growth he's been really great um let's see out there i've got a Intonation. i'm working with how do we, how do we find in, them? intonation guitars at gmail.com would be his email i think his website currently is being worked on so you won't find it on the web on the interweb he, right uh, now is he on instagram yep in tone, in tone in nation, tone nation words. guitars yeah, underscores underscores in okay. in tone nation guitars yeah um he's got a cool thing going there he's working on getting some jams together and supplying the instruments and and everything for for jams and stuff. He's got a blues jam, a rock jam. He's working on jazz jams. He's really into it and doing a really great job out there. Um, cool. Another guy that I'm working with out in your neck of the woods is Will Murfitt, uh, willmurfitt.com. He hand builds uh, guitars. He, he I think he's most famous for his fur caster, which is a telecaster style guitar out of Douglas fur. Oh, cool. Uh, so I've been working with uh, head, with Warren. ZZ Top Direction. I was picturing a literal like <laughs> furry guitar. <laughs> fur, oh boy! Yeah, fur, no, no. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been working with uh, with Warren with Warren Murphy there for a little while and uh, supplying in pickups. And we've been we've talked together about the voicing of the pickups that he wants in his guitars, and and that's gone really well. 
so that's been a big big help with the uh, peg city pickups um uh, i think i messaged or i mentioned uh one client dustin breton early on in the show it's been a big help uh rob bergman out in ontario has been a really big help um a lot of people quest music right here in winnipeg uh they embraced uh my product they they have them on the shelves they've been helping sell the product and and getting uh, great pickups into guitars there, which is really awesome. Uh, the boys at Rev Amps uh, have done a great job helping Peg City pickups. That's great, and uh, I think one guy that I think I owe the most to in this journey so far is a guy by the name of Bruce Jacobs at uh, at Quest Music. He is like the guitar tech of guitar techs here in Winnipeg. I, I don't know if there's anybody better. But uh, he's seen a lot of my pickups come through. He's put a lot of my pickups in guitars. And he always, whenever he saw something from a technical standpoint or a professional standpoint from his point of view that, that he thought there was improvement to be a, he didn't hesitate to shoot me a call, shoot me an email and say, hey, you know what, let's, what if you did this with your wiring? Or what if you did this, you know, little details that just ultimately make everything a lot better and a lot, uh, lot smoother for the clients. And he's been a huge part. Awesome. That's rad. It's been, uh, it's been good so far. It's a really good journey. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for coming on the show, man. It, it means and of course, thank you us. guys for, for having me. This is amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. we're always down to expand the family. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for telling us your story, folks. Go check out Peg City Guitars. Peg City Pickups. Um, Oh Jesus! <laughs> Did I say guitars? Yeah, man, I'm I'm out of it today. You are Peg City pickups. Why did I say guitars? I don't know. It's a guitar podcast. Uh, I don't know. I'm a drunkard and an idiot. Um, You're half right. <laughs> you probably have to drink first, right? Yeah, you probably have to drink to be a drunkard. Yeah. Let <laughs> uh, me start that again. Please go check out Peg City pickups. Uh, Chris is Chris is doing some cool stuff. You need to you need to go check out his website. Give him a follow on the social medias, and uh, we'll see y'all next week. <laughs>